our talk it over sheet. You can go ahead and bring that out so that you can follow along with me today. Um, as you also, we do have a live event. So uh, if you have a smartphone, you can go ahead and, and bust that open, go to Uversion, and then there's a live event that you could follow along our notes there as well. And in case you have not heard, our, our sermons are always uh, now on the website, usually by Monday. So you can, if, if you know someone who's sick that's not here today, you can always tell them, well, go ahead. You don't have to miss out. You can listen to the word online. So go, you can go to our restorethevision.com and hear it online as well. Uh, very excited to share the word of the Lord with you t- today. Man, this week has been a crazy busy week for Pastor Joshua and myself, fighting off sickness in the house and getting adjusted for the kids going back to school. And so um, just we, we had a lot going on this week, and I was really seeking the Lord, like, okay, God, what do you want me to talk about? I know that we are on this new series called Step It Up, and uh, you guys have seen our Step It Up cards in the bulletin and been asking you guys, what can you do to step up and uh, help us as we uh, believe that God is going to bring a harvest as we're going to two services. And so just praying about that, and, and usually I'm a type of person who likes to have my stuff done a few days ahead of time. So usually by Thursday, I'm feeling, okay, I know what I'm going to preach. Most time, usually even have it typed up, and then I get to spend the weekend praying and on what God already gives me. But I was like <laughs> hitting like a brick wall. I just felt like I wasn't getting anywhere this, this week. And so Saturday morning, the Lord woke me up and kind of downloaded this. So I believe that this word is, is really directly from from him to us and so and of course it went to me first (laughs) and uh, I really had to receive that word I believe the Lord wants us uh, wants to whet your appetite today he wants to cause a hunger to grow in you and so let's just bow our heads and pray that that we would be receptive to what the Lord is doing Heavenly Father I just thank you Lord God that you would make us receptive to what you're doing in us today God, I thank you that you will give us hearts that are ready to receive your word. God, that you will give us ears that are ready to hear your word and hearts that are ready to obey what you're asking us to do. God, I pray that you would increase our hunger in this place. God, that we would not be satisfied with church as usual, that we would not be satisfied with going through the motions, but God, that you would stir a holy passion and a holy hunger within your body that we would do what you've called us to do and that we would not be satisfied just being apathetic, lukewarm, ordinary Christians, but God, that we would be on fire, Bible-quoting, devil-stomping, tongue-speaking Christians that are ready to snatch others from the very gates of hell. God, that you would give us a purpose, that God, you would give us a passion, that you would give us a willingness to do whatever it takes to get the job done for you, Jesus, that you would give us a passion, Lord God, and that when we minister, God, it would not be from the bottom of our cup, running on empty, praying that we can make it to the gas station, Lord God. But God, I pray that we would be on overflow, that our cup would be overflowing, that we would always be filled up, Lord God, to full with you, Lord Jesus. That we would minister because you first minister to us, because we make that time to be refreshed in your presence, because we're hungry, and because we are running after you, and we're God chasers, that we're seeking your face daily, that we're seeking your face for a word from from the Lord for our family, a word from the Lord for our job, for our community, for our lives, Lord God. God, stir a hunger in your church and in your people. 
In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to talk about step up, and we're going to talk about stepping up your level of hunger for God. See, Matthew 5, 16 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And that's what Jesus has promised to us, friends, that if we hunger and we thirst for him, that we will be filled, that he will fill us up. But, friends, some, so many times we do the work of the Lord without hungering after him because we're just going through the motions. And God wants us to change that mindset. So today we're going to talk about what we need to do to grow in our hunger for the Lord. And we're going to examine a man of God from the, from the word. His name is Daniel. He was a prophet of God. And we're going to learn from Daniel and how we can hunger after God. And we're going to do one of the joy things that I like to do, and we're going to break down the word hunger as a acrostic of course and we're going to learn from the life of Daniel how we can hunger after God the very first thing that Daniel had that made him hungry for God that we need in our life is holiness can you say holiness now let me explain a little something to you that that some of you may know some of you may not so bear with me I want to kind of give a backdrop here now Daniel see he was from a royal family in Jerusalem and he was from the tribe of Judah but see he was around his lifetime was after Jeremiah had prophesied that that the people were going to go into exile and he was some of the young people that was taken from his homeland to a foreign land Babylon now Babylon was the superpower of the known world of that day and Babylon was a very corrupt kingdom and had a lot of evil and a lot of idolatry in their kingdom and yet God allowed Daniel, not just Daniel, some of you guys maybe have heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was his friends, also of a royal family, also noble people who came with Daniel and was taking, taken from their homeland and placed into a foreign land, a land of false gods and idolatry, a land that was, was evil in many ways. And yet God allowed that to happen. As a matter of fact, God gave favor on these young men and he caused them to be set apart and to be holy. See, what holy means, friends, is that holiness means to be set apart from the world and de dedicated to God. The reason I want to give this backdrop is because oftentimes when we think of holiness, we think that you can only be set apart if, you know, we, we have in our mind like you have to be some kind of nun or some kind of monk that is away and secluded from the rest of the world and, and you know, that's how they can be holy because they're secluded from the rest of the world. But the Lord wants us to be set apart but not secluded, friends. And he allowed Daniel, who I believe was one of the most holy prophets of the Old Testament because Daniel got a lot of revelation from God. He not only spoke with, with Gabriel, one, one of the archangels that, that delivered the message to Mary about Jesus being born, but he had Michael, the, the archangel who's a, a, the warring angel, fight battles for him. So this, this prophet was pretty powerful, friends. But yet God chose to use him and set him in a place called Babylon, a place that was, was not a Christian nation, was not a godly nation, but was a pagan nation. And not only did he do that, but he chose to take Daniel and set him in the king's house. And had him trained, friends, for three years in how to serve a wicked king. A king who did not honor nor serve God and many kings that came after him. But friends, 
God still used Daniel and how he started was he made him holy, set apart, indifferent. We see this right away in Daniel chapter 1. Right away in Daniel chapter 1, when they're going through their training, Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are going through their training to be in the royal palace, to be servants of the king. And Daniel had, uh, they were giving him all the food of the, the, the kingdom, which was not food that Daniel was accustomed to. It was not food that was according to Old Testament law that would keep them set apart and holy. And so Daniel had a decision to make. Do I eat this food that's given to me by the king? Or do I do something different and ask to not do that? And have you ever heard of the, the Daniel fast? Some of you may have been on that. Fruits and vegetables and water. Well, this is where we kind of get it from here. Daniel tells his advisor that I don't, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and myself, we choose not to, to eat of this food that you're offering us. Could you only give us vegetables and water? And the advisor is kind of afraid, and he says, well, you know, the king could have my head for this. And Daniel said, test us. Give us 10 days. Test us and see if we're not healthier than those who eat of all this royal food. See, it says in verse 8, but Daniel resolved, resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. Friends, Daniel was set apart and different. Just because everyone else that was being trained up to be a royal advisor was eating of this food did not mean he had to. That's what holiness is. It's being set apart. Set apart from the, from the world and dedicated to God. If you want to really be hungry for the things of God, if you feel like you, God is wanting you to step up, but you're just not where you know you need to be yet, friends, and I'm telling you and I'm encouraging you to be like Daniel and to say, God, what do you want me to be set apart from? What is everybody else in the world partaking in that you're saying, not for you, daughter? Everyone else in your class or in your school or in your grade could be listening to this certain songs and these certain musics that are, are demeaning of women and drugs and alcohol and all this. But not for you, daughter. You're not, that's not what I'm asking you to do. Or maybe, it's, maybe you're at a, a, a place of business and everybody else is taking loopholes and, and finding ways, uh, cheating on their requisitions and, and other things in businesses that they can get away with. But, but God is saying, not for you, businessman. That's not what you're to do. Or maybe God is, is saying, you know what, everybody else at the factory is cussing and, and, and taking longer on their breaks and smoking and doing all these things and, and looking at porno in the bathrooms and on their phones. But not for you, son. You're to be set apart. You're to be different. That's what Daniel said. And he said, as a matter of fact, test me in 10 days. And me not partaking in this, you're going to see that me and my friends, we're going to be even more healthy. We're going to be even, we're going to be set apart you're going to see a difference in us. And friends, that is what holiness is. That's what God wants to do in his people. But friends, we have to have a hunger for it, that we want to be different. We don't want to look like everybody else. We don't want to, we don't want to do what everybody else is doing. That's holiness, friends. And that's what we need if we want to be hungry. Because so often we're not hungry in the church because we're feeding on everything else. We're feeding on the things of the world. We're feeding on everything else. that God, You're not going to be hungry if all you're doing is feeding on junk food of the world. You know what I'm saying? 
God is saying, man, it's time to give all that up. It's time, it's time to be set apart. It's time to be different. You don't have to do what everybody else is doing. You don't have to look like how everybody else is looking. That doesn't mean you have to be a monk and you have to wear a robe or that you have to, you know, wear a little white thing on your collar. And you have to, you, that doesn't mean you have to be secluded from the world. Because, friends, God needs us in the world so that we can be a light to the world. But he doesn't need us to look like the world and to act like the world, nor does he want us to love the world. Holiness, to be set apart, to be different. Daniel set a standard, friends, and he was a holy prophet set apart for God. And if God can do it in Daniel, in Babylon, God can do it for us here and in the day and age that we live in. The next thing that we need if we want to grow our, in our level of hunger, if we want to step up and do all that God has called us to do, if we really want to be hungry, then we need understanding. Can you say understanding? We need understanding. I, I took time again this morning to listen to the entire book of Daniel, 12 chapters. I've read it many times. But over and over and over, there were verses that said that Daniel was a man of understanding. When no one else could interpret dreams, Daniel was a man of understanding. When no one else could solve puzzles that the kings, different kings were having, Daniel was a man of understanding. See, God wants us to have understanding. First of all, understanding from the word. Daniel 9, 22 and 23, it says, He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to, prayer, to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you. For you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Friends, that was an angel speaking to Daniel. God wants to give us understanding, but we have to realize that understanding does not come from our own human knowledge. There's a, I'm not talking about understanding the type of understanding that you get when you go to school and that when you study hard for a test and then you, you, you understand the content of the subject and then you pass the test. I'm not talking about that kind of understanding. I'm talking about supernatural understanding. That's the kind of understanding that we need if we want to hunger after God. That's the kind of understanding that we need if we want to step up and be all that God has called us to be. It's a supernatural understanding and insight that only comes from direct revelation from God, friends. And the only way that we get that understanding is if we spend time in his presence. Do you feel me today, friends? God is calling us to a deeper place. If we want to step up, it's not just doing more, friends. Yeah, sometimes it's doing more, but it's understanding more. It's spending time in his presence so that we understand what he's calling us to do because sometimes it's doing less, but doing less better than what we were doing more of. Does that make sense? God is calling us to say, give us understanding. But sometimes we have to wait for it. Matter of fact, in the first six chapters of, of, of Daniel are all different events and different awesome things that happen. You've heard of Daniel. I'm going to talk about when he was thrown into the lion's den and times that he interpret supernatural handwriting on the wall and dreams from the king. And not just interpretation of dreams from the king. I mean, one time the king said to him, you interpret my dream, and I'm not going to tell you what I dream. You got to get that too, and then give me the interpretation. So you tell me what I dream. I know what I dream, but now I want you, without me telling you, what did I dream, and give me the interpretation. Have you ever heard of such a thing? I mean, Daniel had to seek God's face for that, friends, to get that kind of understanding. It's one thing for someone to say, listen, I had this dream. One time I thought I had a really spiritual, supernatural dream, and I was telling my dear husband, you remember this baby, at the park, 
And it was a family walk because, you know what, sometimes a sister got to get her steps in. Come on, kids, y'all got to come too. So we're getting our steps in and we're walking. And I'm telling them about this dream. And I'm really getting into it. I'm like, and I was at Starbucks, and, and there was a pastor friend of mine from a different city that was behind the counter, and he's, you know, talking to me about this, and I'm talking to him about this, and, and, and this, and I was so, he kept getting my drink wrong, and I was so frustrated, and this and that, and I thought maybe it was some kind of supernatural dream, and here comes my son behind me. So, you're upset because they got your drink wrong at Starbucks? <laughs> and, and they were, they were like making fun of laughing at me. And basically, it was a pizza dream, right? It was just one of those late nights. I don't know what I was thinking about, but it really wasn't a dream from God. How many of us have those, right? But listen, the king had a dream. It was not a pizza dream. It was a dream that, that had him so disturbed that he wanted to know that he knew it was from God, so much so that he didn't even want to speak what the dream was. It was that disturbing. He said, you know what? If you really hear from God, God will tell you what my dream is and tell you the interpretation. And Daniel got that understanding, friends. That's crazy. That takes a, that takes a man who is set apart, who is holy, who is dedicated, who is going to seek God for understanding. Friends, God is calling a Daniel generation today. He's calling a people of God that will be set apart, who will be holy, that will go after him for understanding. Another word that I like to use for understanding is revelation. God doesn't want us just to even, you know what, even preachers nowadays, we can go online and you can just pull a sermon out of anywhere. And it could be a good sermon. But God wants to give revelation to, to, to the ministers so that the people can get revelation in the, in the pews and say, okay, I'm getting understanding. I'm getting insight from God. Now I know I'm equipped to go do what he's called me to do, friends. No more dead preachers preaching dead sermons to dead people. In the, come on, it's time to wake up, friends. It's, it's time to say, I want some understanding. I want some revelation from the Lord because God is calling me to do great and mighty exploits for him. He's calling me to be set apart. He's calling me to live a life that is worthy of the calling. See, Daniel, the, the first six chapters, like I said, and it was, was all about all the different things that happened. But then the last six chapters, friends, was all about um, crazy dreams and visions that Daniel had. I mean, so, I mean, he was trying to under, have an understanding from, from the prophets that went before him. He was trying to understand Jeremiah and some of the prophets who went before him, and he was trying to get understanding. There's courses that's just on the last six chapters on Daniel. Still today, people who are experts in theology and eschatology, which is a big fancy word for study of end times, are still going back to the book of Daniel saying, Where, how can I get understanding? I mean, he heard so much from God. Like I said, two of the main angels that we ever even hear about in the Bible were, were doing things and visiting and talking with him. Come on, friends. He was a man of understanding, and God is calling us to be a people of understanding. He's calling us to step up and say, God, I want understanding of the times that I live in. See, Daniel was seeking understanding. He said, listen, I know that the prophet Jeremiah said that we were going to be in exile for so many years, and, and I need understanding for, for what the time that I'm living in right now. I need understanding for the time I'm alive. Friends, man, we're just going through life sometimes aimlessly with no understanding. God has you here for such a time as this. We need to seek him and say, God, give me a revelation for my life. What do you have me here for? What is my purpose for this season? And there's different seasons. Maybe your purpose just is to pour into your children right now, stay at home, mom, and just get them ready and equipped for the world and pray over them and, and, and have things ready. Have your house a sanctuary when your husband comes home from work. Maybe your season of life right now is that you are going nine to five or whatever shift you're working at that factory job and you're pouring in and, you're, and your, your job is to, to 
be a light in that place. Whatever season of life you're in, maybe you're, you're approaching the age, the golden years of retirement, and you're saying, God, have I already done everything that I'm supposed to do? And God's saying there's still so much more. Friends, we need understanding for the seasons of life that we're in today so that we can do all that he's called us to do. How many of you guys want to hunger more for God? I know I want to hunger more for God. We need holiness. We need understanding. And also, we need to draw near to God. That word I'm looking for there, if you're filling in the blank, it's near. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. But listen to this clause here. It says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So often we want to draw near to God and, and sometimes we're not getting the breakthrough because we've for, forgotten that we've got to cleanse our hearts and cleanse our hands. If there's sin in our life, we need to repent and, and get rid of it so that we can be clean, not being double-minded, not being thrown like the waves of the sea. Oh, yes, I'm all for God and someone made me mad and now I'm back in my flesh. Yes, I'm going to do what God says. God spoke this to me, but it didn't really work out the way I wanted it to work out. So I'm going to, you know, curb his word and I'm going to add to it. I'm going to make it be something that I want it to be so I can do still what I want to do. We do that, friends, and we say, God told me. Man, don't, that's a scary thing. That's a scary place to be. Well, if you say God told me, you better be sure God told you. Because so often I have seen, now pastoring almost two decades, I have seen people in and out of the church saying, God told me to go do this, and God told me to do that. There's been years of, <laughs> I'm not even going to go there, all kinds of things. And friends, and then to, to see, and then they're messed up and not even serving the Lord anymore. Come on, friends. We've got to draw near to him. And we need to make sure that when we're drawing near to him, that the first and foremost person that we're looking at to be right with God is ourselves. So often we want to go near to God and complain about somebody else. But God is saying, look at you. Look at you. The word of God is supposed to be a mirror to, to your soul. Not a mirror that you're shining up trying to blind somebody else with. You ever did that as a kid? You take the mirror and you're like putting it on the sign or whatever. You're trying to like blind somebody with that. You guys ever do that as a kid? Sometimes that's how we use the Bible. We want to harm somebody else with it when it's supposed to be a mirror that we take to our face and look at our own eyes, which is the window of our soul, and say, okay, God, what am I? How am I not living right? Because if we draw near to God, friends, man, I'm telling you what. I spent some time in prayer Thursday night when I was trying to get my word, but instead God was saying, man, you really lost your patience with your daughter when you were doing those spelling tests with her. And, and I couldn't even get into my word because I spent an hour and a half searching my own soul. Why was I acting the way I was acting? Why was I so frustrated over some spelling words? Come on, moms. Any moms that ever had kids that didn't know how to spell the Lord? It's, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> but I couldn't even get to my sermon because I had to spend an hour and a half just saying, God, cleanse me from this. Right, friends? That's where we need to be. We need to be in a place that we're saying, God, deal with me and my mess so that I can do all that you've called me to do. That's what drawing near. You know what? We, we need to pray, friends. The Lord showed me that there's a couple areas in our church that we need to kind of ignite that passion again, and one of them is prayer. We need to pray. We need to seek his face. We need to, we need to go before the throne and, and seek him. Because this is the thing, if we're not praying, friends, most likely we're straying. Do you understand that? If we're not seeking him, most likely we're, we're, go, we're going away. We're, we're falling away from him. If we're not spending time in prayer, it's very easy for us to be misled. 
and deceived. The Bible says that even the elect can be deceived. Friends, we need to spend time in prayer. We need to spend time and not just any kind of prayer, but I mean like focused prayer, praying and seeking him, seeking his face. If we want to be much for God, friends, then we need to be much with God. It's time to draw near to the Lord. If you guys have not seen that movie War, War Room yet, whew, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, go see it. It's well worth the investment. Go on a Tuesday if you can't afford the, the, full, the full thing. It's only $5, friends. It is all, five, did they, it's five, you know, Lord. But it's still better than what, it used, what, what the full price is, okay? They are, that's how they do. They add that 50 cents on when no one's paying attention. Mm-hmm. That movie is so inspiring, though, friends, because it shows how, how a marriage is saved from praying. So often, man, we walk away from things that God says don't walk away from, or we walk into something that God says don't walk into because we just want to do what we want to do. And then we want to stamp his God approval on it. Friends, we need to spend time in prayer, and when we're praying, we need to be seeking his word for understanding. Worshippers worship in spirit and truth. That's how I explain to people. The, the, the spirit part is, is, is like a flagpole, okay? The truth part is like that pole. It's unwavering, right? Have you ever seen a flagpole maybe outside of a school building or, or a courtroom in a big, tall? That, that pole is unwavering. It's steady. But that flag is like the spirit. It moves with, the, with, with the, how the wind of the spirit is moving. You need them both, friends. We need the spirit of God to show us what direction to go to, but we need to make sure, according to the word of God, that we're in his perfect will, friends. We need to make sure we're renewing our mind daily, that we're seeking him in the word, and that we're grounded, friends, because there is, there is so much that's out there that can deceive us if we're not drawing near to him. And so, you know what? Daniel drawed near to God. All The whole last six chapters of, of, of the book of Daniel was him drawing near to God. God was showing him visions of, you know, different kinds of creatures that he's never seen before. I mean, I'm talking like stuff that you've heard Steve say. I mean, this stuff is even crazier than stuff you hear Steve says. I mean, I remember one time Steve was like, I saw a tree and then like it, I'm probably messing up, but like it split open and there was like a flower with a dagger and a knife and a blood. I'm like, what? I used to call him the bleeding prophet I'm like he always got blood and something he's seen you know but that's probably how people fell around Daniel They're like what you saw a what <laughs> a creature with this head and another one with this head and and wings like this and what are you talking about so he had to get understanding because you can't just see crazy without finding out what God is meaning by that right we need understanding and the only way he was able to get that understanding is by drawing near to God does that make sense we need understanding in our life, and the only way we're going to get it, friends, is if we draw near. We got to get close. We got to come close to God, and you can't come close if you're still in sin. You can't come close and say, God, bless this mess, because he's not going to bless a mess. You can't say, oh, God, come bless me in my household when you're living with someone that you're not married to. You can't say, God, come bless me in my job when you're cheating on your job, and you're not putting in the hours that you're supposed to. You can't say, God, bless me as I'm going to school when you're copying off the student next to you. Come on, friends. God, don't bless a mess. We've got to draw near to God, and that means we've got to get right because the only way we can get near is if we get right. God is calling us to a higher place, friends. This is an encouraging word. He wants to whet our appetite today. He wants us to get hungry because he's calling us to a higher place. He's saying, I got more for you. I want more for you. You don't have to live the way you're living now. You know what? If you're in a mess now, that's okay. Repent. Let God clean you up. 
and move on and, and get to where God wants you to be. He's drawn us to a higher place, but we need to draw near to him. And, and another thing I want to talk about is if we really want to hunger after God, if we really want to be hungry and do the things that he wants us to do, then we need to examine our gifts. And we need to make sure that we're using our gifts to bring him honor and to bring him glory. God has gifted each one of us, and he's gifted us differently. Kimber talked about this last week. He's gifted us differently. He's, he, I, I, I loved how Kimber said, God has given me a gift of kindness, and he's used my gift of kindness to bring him glory. Whatever your gift is, are you using it to bring him glory? Brother Isaiah, God, God has gifted him with leadership, and he's constantly pouring into things. If you guys haven't, if you're not part of Facebook, he even does some free um, leadership consulting with people. I know a couple of the people in our body right now are, are, are meeting with him through via Facebook and, and, or however they're doing it online and going through and, and getting trained in leadership. He's using his gift. And he's also, you know, traveling around using his gift of leadership training to help people be all uh, that God has created them to be. Are you using your gift to bring glory? If God has given you a beautiful voice or an ability to play instrument, are you just using that for yourself? Are you saying, God, I want to use that to bring you glory, man? See, Bailey, I'm sure as we're going to two services, Bailey, in case you all don't know who the beautiful woman up there, we've got many beautiful women, but that one is the one I'm talking about. If you want to be directed into worship, see her. Or, you know, maybe God has given you a gift of patience. Lord, that's a gift. And God has called you to maybe help with our babies. And, I, and I'm so excited. we got like three or four head teachers that are stepping up saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dedicate my gift to the Lord, and I'm going to make this nursery ministry the best it's ever been. There's people who are stepping up and saying, you know what, I'm going to use my gift of administration. I'm going to come along Dwayne and around, around Pastor Elber, and I'm going to help get the greeters and the ushers organized and together, and we're going we're gonna to be here on time. We're going to be prayed up. Use your gift. For God, maybe you have a gift of hospitality. Well, maybe you should see me and, and we can get you trained up and ready. And next year when we launch more Circle of Eights, maybe you'll be a leader. Come on, friends, use your gifts for the Lord. Daniel used his gift for the Lord. Daniel was gifted in interpreting dreams and he gained favor because he honored God with his gift. Daniel 1.17 says, To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams and all, uh, of all kinds. He had a gift, a prophetic gift that he used to honor God. There was a supernatural ability that allowed Daniel to have knowledge, skill, and wisdom. Knowledge, skill, and wisdom are things that we all need to help us get to the top of whatever God has called us to, to be. If we honor him with those things, man, we will be set apart. Even our enemies won't be able to say anything about us with that. We will have, we will have favor. There's a saying that, uh, I don't know if you guys remember some of our friends, Scott and Megan, they're youth pastors down south now. They were with us for a season in the beginning. They used to always say, favor ain't fair. Favor ain't fair. And God gives favor. You understand that, right? You know, as Americans, we want everything to be fair, but everything's not always fair, and we should probably, by the time you're grown, understand that. <laughs> Favor's not fair, but God gives favor. And friends, when we use our gifts to bring him glory, he gives us favor, and he increases our influence, our sphere of influence. When you're faithful with small things, he gives you more. This is something that's in the word. It's something that we need to understand. When we're faithful with small things, he gives us more. When we're faithful with the gifts that he gives us, he, he increases those gifts and he gives us more. Friends, are you using your gifts to glorify God? 
Are you using your gifts in your workplace? Are you using your gifts in, in the school that your kids go to or the school that you go to if you're a student in here? Are you using, you know, that we need to have gifted Christians in every sphere of influence. We need to have gifted Christians in, in the music industry, in, in, the, in the entertainment industry. We need to have gifted Christians in, in politics, in government, in schools, in business. We need gr- Gifted Christians in every area. I love talking to Kimber, someone who was just fresh out of Bible college and just hearing that fresh perspective. Like she was saying how missionaries go into countries now. Not the old way was to go in a missionary visa. But there's so many closed countries that won't let you in if you have that. So now there's a new, the new way they go is through business. And I'm like, man, that's so awesome. I remember talking to Pastor uh, uh, Laura, my friend, who when she was pastoring, uh, associate pastoring somewhere she, uh, at a church, they, they had a lot of influence in had different guests from all around the world. And this one church planner, he raised up people in, in it was Eastern, different places in Eastern Europe. And their job was to go get a secular job to be a, a, what they call a marketplace minis- missionary. To go get a job just to be a missionary in that job. I mean, totally different ways of thinking about things. But we think in America, with all the choices we have and all the churches we have and all the comfortabilities that we have, that if it's not working out for me here, I'm just going to go there. And that's the pastor's job and not my job anyway. Friends, God has called the pastors, the fivefold, the, the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, the evangelist, and the pastor to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. We're all called to be light in the world. We're all called to be salt of this earth. We're all called to share Jesus. And the way that we do that is we use our gifts to bring him glory. This is an encouraging word. Whatever it is and whatever season of life that you're in, you can use your gift to bring him glory. Anyone happy about that besides me? <laughs> Friends, in this church at Vision Ministries, and I know it's bigger than Vision Ministries, but let me just tell you, in this church, we need some gifts. We need some gifts that you have. I know some of you guys have a gift of encouragement. Man, there's people who are always down on Facebook, and I can't encourage all of them. Friends, come join me with this gift, and let's encourage one another with encouragement. We need a gift of hospitality. It doesn't matter if you're a Circle of Eight host or not. Man, you can have someone over. You can invite someone to go out to eat with you after church. A gift of hospitality, a gift of friendship. We need these gifts. A gift of kindness, a gift of serving. We need people to say, I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to take out the trash because it's, a, it's God's trash I get to take out today. What a privilege. What an honor. A gift of serving down at Vision Kitchen. I'm going to go down there and help wipe the tables afterwards. I might not be able to get there to serve the potatoes on the plate, but I can wipe the tables up afterwards. A gift. Uh, we need these gifts in this body of people saying, I'm going to do what it takes to bring glory to God, to give him glory with the gifts that he has given me. And friends, I encourage you, use your gifts in home, at, at your home place too. And your family, use those gifts. To, if you've got a gift of encouragement, how, much, how awesome would that be to encourage your children, encourage your husband, send texts, send notes and lunches. Come on, friends, let's use our gifts to bring glory to God. Finally, the last two things I want to talk about, you thought I was, I'm almost done, is we need to step up and we need to grow and we need to let, let our appetite today, let our hunger grow by doing things in excellence. Sometimes we use our gifts, but we only want to, we just kind of mediocrely use them or we just go through the motions with them. God wants us to do it in excellence. See, excellence honors God and reflects his character. Can you say that with me? Excellence honors God and reflects his character. Daniel 6, I'm going to read this in the message because I really wanted to get into this um, here. This is after King Nebuchadnezzar and another king, and this is King Darius' reign. So this is the third king that he served under. 
And Darius reorganized his kingdom. He appointed 120 governors and administrators, all the parts of his realm. Over them, there was three vice regents, one of whom was Daniel. The governors report to the vice regents who made sure that everything was in order for the kingdom. But Daniel, brimming with spirit and intelligence, so completely outclassed, I love that word, outclassed the other vice regents and governors that the king decided to put him in charge of the whole kingdom. The vice regents and governors got together to find some old scandal or skeleton in Daniel's life that could use against him, but they could not dig anything up. He was totally exemplary and trustworthy. They could not find no evidence of negligence or misconduct, so they finally gave up and said, we're never going to find anything against this Daniel unless we cook up something religious, unless and one translation, unless they find out something about his God, about his faith. He was, he was totally, he totally outclassed everybody else. He was head and shoulders above everybody else because he had favor, because he used his gifts to honor God, because he lived a life that was set apart, because he drew near to God, friends, because he wanted understanding, you see? So now he was doing things in excellence. He was exemplary. He was excellent in everything that he did so much favor that he outshined everyone else around him friends daniel honor god with excellence are we serving god in excellence today are we serving him in excellence are we waking up on sunday mornings if we're a leader in this place and we already praised up are we already listening to our worship music are we just like rolling out of bed and saying let's go to church because the bible says i was glad when they said to me let us go to the house of the Lord. Are we, are we serving God in excellence? I mean, I can't tell you how many times, you know, it's a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning, and I talk to somebody, and they're like, oh, I got to be in nursery today. You mean you get to be in nursery today? I've probably said that to you if you've ever said that to me. I got to be in nursery today. I mean, you get to be in nursery today because it's a privilege and an honor to be able to teach the children of the Lord who the Bible says are, uh, these are what the kingdom of God is made of. It's a privilege and honor to be able to serve and to teach. Are we doing things in excellence? It starts with our attitude, friends. The Bible says in Philippians 2 that our attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. And come, sometimes we have to have an attitude check. Sometimes if we're saved, we need to notify our face. Mm-hmm. Because when we're passing out bulletins, we can't look intimidating. We got to smile, friends. I know y'all hood, but come on, smile. Smile just a little bit. Just try it on. It looks good on you. It does. Right? When we're opening doors, can we do it in excellence and say, well, welcome to Vision Ministries today. I'm so glad you're here. And then hold up, hold up. It's exercise here. <laughs> just smile. Just show love by smiling sometimes. And not just here at church, but you know what? When you're going out to eat and you're just grumpy and the waitress comes, can you just smile? That could, you know what? It's contagious when you smile. You just can't help it. Look, he's got a smile. You smile at someone, they're going to smile back. You can't have, have you ever walked like and did one of those, like maybe you're at Walmart or whatever and you're walking by someone and you just, oh, look, see, you had to do it. Had to. Look. Oh, she's already doing it. Oh, see, it's coming. I'm telling you, you can't help it. Look, you already got it going on. When you smile at someone, they're going to smile back. And friends, sometimes... Excellence starts just with our attitude check. 
Just saying, you know what? I'm going to love people even if they don't like me, even if they think I'm crazy. I'm going to love them anyway. I remember one time I was downstairs and I was serving at Vision Kitchen. And I went, and I can't remember what I did. I had to do something. I can't remember. And I don't know if I, 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 was, I reached down and put a plate down. or I, I'm upset at a, a, a guest down there some, some kind of way. And this, this woman just had a real funky attitude with me. And the old Libby High School, don't you know them? Code girls <laughs> wanted to rise up. But I'm like, man, instead I had to push that flesh down. And I had to say, I'm going to love this person anyway. And I, it, this was a while ago. We had candy in the building. It might have been um, a while back. I don't know if it was after Holy Ween or after, um, oops, trunk or treat or whatever. It was after some kind of event. We had some extra candy. So I ran upstairs and I grabbed some chocolate because, come on, ladies, sometimes when we're in a bad mood, we just need some chocolate, right? So I'm like, what woman's going to? And I went downstairs and, and, and I was like, you know what? I think I, I just wanted to bless you with this, this chocolate. I just hope this puts you, you know, in a good mood today. And, man, that woman just, I mean, her whole, con- she started telling me what a bad day she had and all the things that was going on in her life. And she just thanked me so much for that. And her whole, th- her whole attitude changed, friends. But I could have been like, Psh, these people coming down here and we're serving them food. And they act like this is Bob Evans and they're just going to have it their way and whatever. You know, how are they going to just bubble? You know, these things can go through your mind. And that's why we get burned out in ministry because we forget who we're doing it for. We're not doing it for these people. We're doing it for Jesus. And people come into the kingdom because of it. We've got to change our attitude, friends. We've got to do things in excellence because that's what God is calling us to. He's calling us with excellence. If you're, whatever you're doing, if it's cutting the grass, man, do it in excellence. Get that weed whacker out too, man. Trim up the size, man. Do it in excellence and not just hear the house of the Lord. Do it at your home. Do it in excellence. The Lord has, has challenged me in that. That's why uh, about a year ago, I started making talk it over sheets because I know one of my gifts is teaching. And I'm like, how can I do it in more excellence? And Miss Joan challenged me one Sunday. She came up and she said, you know, I would just love to have your notes. And God was already stirring me this. And I'm like, that was just confirmation. I'm going to give notes every week. I'm going to step it up in excellence. And I have other goals that I have in my head, how I can make it more excellent. We finally got the stuff online so it could be in more excellence. And there's other things I want to do to use my gifts to make it in more excellence because I want to honor God in excellence, friends. Ask the Lord, what am I doing? How can I do it better? How can I do it with a spirit of excellence? He will show you. Finally, the last thing that I want to talk about today, if we want to be a Daniel generation, if we want to be like Daniel, if we want to hunger after God and his presence, then we've got to take a risk. Can you say take a risk? And, you know, this is something that we've been doing for a long time. And there was an acronym that actually Shannon made up years ago. And it was RISK, reaching into Satan's kingdom, friends. That's the kind of risk I want to talk about today. This is the kind of things that Daniel did. Daniel 6, when Daniel learned that the decree, oh, yeah, because, you know, the haters out there didn't like Daniel having favor, right? The other governors, they weren't fond on his favor, because favor ain't fair, and Daniel was getting promoted, and they weren't. Instead of just being happy that they were still governors, now they want to be haters, and they want to be upset at Daniel's favor. So they had to cook up some kind of scheme, and they couldn't find anything in his character because he was above reproach in every area. Woo, because, I mean, if God was, if, if, if some enemies of ours were searching for something against our character, kind of scary, huh? 
right? But they couldn't find anything against Daniel's character, so they cooked up some kind of scheme. They deceived King Darius and went to him and said, you know what, how about you make this law, make a law that if anyone uh, won't bow down, can only bow down and worship and pray for you for this, this so many weeks. Because they knew Daniel was not going to obey that law because he only bowed down and worshiped to God. So they knew they were going to be able to trap him. So Darius was like, oh, okay, I mean, yeah, I'm the man, I'm the king. Let's sign that up, seal it with my signet ring, right? And so then they go and they see, and this is where we pick up here in Daniel chapter 6. Verse 10, when Daniel learned of the decree that had been signed and posted, he continued to pray just as he had always done. His house had windows in the upstairs that opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he knelt there in prayer, thanking and praising his God. So he did what he had always done, opened up those windows. There's a time, friends, to pray in the closet where no one sees you, and there's a time to open the windows. There's a time to, to get along with God, and there's a time to shout it from the rooftop, friends. Sometimes God calls us to take a risk. Sometimes we hear someone fighting outside in our neighborhood because we live on Prouty Street, and there's a time we're just praying, and we're just praying inside, and we might pick up the phone and call 911, and there's a time that Pastor Josh busts out the door open, and he blows the shofar. There's a time to be quiet, and there's a time to speak. There's a time to pray silently, and there's a time to open the windows and shout it out. And when someone tells you you can't do something for God, that's the time, friends, you take a risk. That's the time you turn it up. See, there was a time when, I first, when we first started in ministry, and I was invited to go speak somewhere, friends. And, and um, when I was invited to go speak, this is a multi-denominational place and so, uh, that I was invited to speak in. And, and the organizer of the event called me up and said, you know what, um, because we have you coming here and there's so many different de- people from different denominations, there's some people who don't believe, you know, that women can be ministers. And so we're not going to call you Pastor Joy. We're just going to call you, uh, we're, we're going to say you're a youth leader. Well, at the time I was not youth leading, so I felt I didn't want them to lie. And I said, how about you just say I'm Joy Hester from Vision Ministries? And you know what? I told my husband about it. My husband was quite upset. He was ready to say, come on, you ain't going there. We're not doing this. But, I mean, he was more upset than I was, and that was God that he was more upset than me, let me tell you, because I'm the one who usually has to calm it down. So I went before the Lord, and I felt, you know what? If people had to sneak into countries to give a word of the Lord and say that they're Pilates instructors or whatever it is, I'm going to sneak up in this event, and I don't give a flying rip what they call me. I was invited to speak, and I'm going to go and share the word of the Lord. This was several years ago, almost a decade ago. And so I went and God moved in this place who doesn't believe in not some women in ministry or the gifts of God. God moved. I stayed afterwards. I was speaking to people. People were crying. The Holy Spirit showed up. They didn't even know what to do. They didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was showing up, wrecking people. And God said, I did that for you, Joy, because we're going to turn it up. We're going to take risks. Don't let someone tell you you can't do something for Jesus, friends. You take a risk. You reach into Satan's kingdom, and you snatch others out. I don't care what you used to do. I don't care if you was a prostitute. I don't care if you was a drug dealer. I don't care if you was addicted. Take a risk and do use your gifts for his kingdom. I don't care if you live in a middle-class neighborhood and everything feels good and your life is comfortable. Take a risk. Take a risk. 
Come, be a part of what God is doing. Because guess what? You know what I love about Vision Ministries? Vision Ministries is very diverse. Vision Ministries is not just a poor church for poor people. Vision Ministries is a church for people who love God. And God is going to bring in people who are wealthy. God is going to bring in professionals. God is going to bring in people that are homeless. God is going to bring in the rich and the poor together, black, white, Mexican, and South Side other, because God loves all his people and children. And he wants us to come together, friends. And so, friends, right now, we're in a place that we're going to take a risk for a church, as a church. God showed us a while ago that, that the next step for Vision Ministries was to go to two services. If you remember, about a year ago at this time, we felt like we wanted to go, and the Lord said, no, not yet. And so we stopped. But we reminded y'all, he didn't say never, he said not yet. And now we're at that place again, and it's been stirring, and it's been stirring, and we got a battle. Can we do it? Can we do it? Can we do it? No, friends, we can't do it. But through Christ, in Christ, we can do all things, and he can do it through us, friends. And so, friends, we've got to come together, and we've got to take a risk. Why? Because we want more numbers? No, because we want God to be glorified in this. The Lord showed me us doing this. It's like the time where they were, the disciples were fishing all night long, and they were throwing the nets out, and they weren't catching anything. And then Jesus came and said, hey, Peter, throw the net on the other side. And Peter's like, look, I've been, you know, I'm the fisherman, right? You're the rabbi. I'm a fisherman. I, I've been fishing all day, and we haven't caught anything. There's, there's nothing biting out here. But because you've said it, Lord, I'm going to throw the net on the other side. And listen, friends, that net was so full of fish, it began to sink, right? And then the net began to break. They could hardly contain the, all the fish that God has given. God is telling us to take a risk and throw the net to the other side. But we've got to come together, friends. We've got to be unified. We've got to be hungry. We've got to let our appetites get wet in here today. And we've got to say, I'm going to do what it takes to be a part of what God is doing. Because I want to be hungry after you. I want to be holy. I want understanding. I want to draw near to you. I want to use my gifts and excellence, and I want to take risk for your kingdom, Lord. If that's you today, if you would stand up on your feet with me, God is doing a new thing, and we need to be a part of it. Father God, I just thank you, Lord God, for who you are, Lord. I thank you for your sons and daughters in this house today, Lord. I thank you for the unity that you're bringing our body into. Lord, I pray today that you would encourage us that every doubt that is from the enemy would go right now in Jesus' name. That every lie that's of the enemy would cease right now in the name of Jesus and that you would speak your truth over your people, that we would know we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. God, I pray that you would stir our hearts, Lord, that you would stir our lives, Lord God, that we would do what you've called us to do, Lord Jesus. God, I pray even today, Lord, as, as we have these flyers that are in our bulletins. God, that you will put on our heart three people that we can invite to church on September 20th when we're going to two services. That more, that God, you would fill this house, Lord God, that you would fill this house with people who are hungry, people who are broken, people who are rich, people who are poor, people who are middle class, black, white, Hispanic, that this would be a reflection of what heaven is going to look like, Lord Jesus, with all, every tribe and every nation, Lord Jesus, bowing down and worshiping you. And God, I pray that we would do whatever it takes to be right with you, to draw near to you, that we would be hungry for your presence and for revival fire in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. If you desire prayer today, we want to pray for you. 
If you got to get out of here, I just pray that you just go with God and be encouraged today that you can do all things through him who gives you strength. But if you do desire any prayer, please come up and we'll, we'll have some leaders that will wait up here and we'll pray with you as well. God bless you. Make sure you see Pastor Josh in the back if you're new with us today.